When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Episode 69, I Dream of Fire. Hey Chainers, and welcome to another edition of Chain of Wealth. I'm your host, Dennis O'Brien. And I'm Katie Welsh. How are you doing today, Katie? I'm doing good, how are you? Yeah, doing all right, thanks. So today we have someone that's recently unveiled his anonymous persona in his writing. Ooh, who is it? Well, if you listen to this, you've probably read the descriptions. You know it's Scott. <laughs> ah, you're no fun. So anyway, well, he just, like last week, started his mini retirement, which I think is so cool. Yeah, I think it's super cool. Like being able to sort of take a, a break at some point in your life and just saying, you know what? I'm done with work right now. I need some me time and just sort of figuring it out. And a mini retirement, from what he told us, is not like a forever retirement. No. It's just taking some time and enjoying life and kind of gathering yourself to see what the next part of your life is going to be like. And almost like catching up on things that you've maybe let go, you know, like whether it's a a hobby or something you really want to do. Maybe you're an avid reader. You haven't had time to read lately. Whatever it is, you know, like having that sort of ability and flexibility to, to do that is so cool. And I think loads of people don't ever get the opportunity to do it. Not because they, you know, that they can't do it. It's because they don't plan it. You know, I kind of feel like I'm on a mini retirement. Is that so? Yeah. Well, I work on Chain of Wealth and everything, but I'm not teaching. That's true. So it's a much more like relaxed lifestyle that I'm living right now. Yeah. Like it's sort of like a transitional year almost. Yeah. And it's very... It can be very hard to adjust to, especially if you're used to like a structured lifestyle like I was. I would wake up at 5.30 in the morning. I would go to work. And as a teacher, like your entire day is planned basically to the minute. Right. And now it's just kind of like, oh, well, I have this stuff planned to do for the day. And if I finish it early, I kind of am just like, well, now what am I supposed to do? Like <laughs> during the workday, surely I should be doing some sort of work. Right. Yeah. And I, and I think finding that balance and sort of figuring out what you want to do is so important, you know? Yeah. Do you think you'll ever do a mini retirement? Maybe one day. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. You're ready to dive right in? Yeah. Let's do it. Welcome to Chain of Wealth. Here's your host, Dennis, inspiring you to begin your journey of financial freedom. Hey Chainers and welcome to another edition of Chainer Wealth. Today we have Scott with us. Scott is the creator of the blog I Dream of Fire, a personal finance blog dedicated to his journey down the road of financial independence and early retirement. Scott has recently started a mini retirement in April and is working on creating amazing content for his blog. Scott started his mini retirement on his birthday and was featured on CNN Money all in the same day. Hey, Welcome, Scott. Scott. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, so wow, it sounds like your birthday was pretty epic this year. 
It was, yeah. I mean, as we record this, I'm on um, day two of, of what would have been a work day. Uh, my birthday was just the Friday of my last week. And uh, yeah, it was, you know, not only was it my birthday, but it was my last day of work. And uh, and to get that feature on CNN Money, uh, things got uh, things got pretty crazy. It was hard to keep up with all of the notifications on my phone. Yeah. So happy belated birthday. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I bet with all that going on, like getting featured and quitting your job and everything, like I would imagine a birthday cake was kind of at the bottom of your like excitement list. Yeah, I didn't actually <laughs> even get the birthday cake uh, that day because we ended up going out after after my last day of work. I met up with uh, a couple of other personal finance bloggers, actually, uh, Adam from Minify and uh and mrs uh waffles on wednesday who happened to be in town for a conference so oh. it was kind of a cool way to celebrate you know all of those things happening at once and of course my wife came along so. <laughs> we can't forget about her <laughs> no no <laughs> yeah I, I definitely wouldn't recommend that <laughs> yeah. so you are like you said brand new to mini retirement so even though you're two days in, what has been like the biggest adjustment or what are you kind of like anticipating? So I would have to say so far, my biggest adjustment has just been um, breaking out of the anonymity that I kept with I Dream of Fire for the past 10 months. When I started telling people at work that I was leaving, you know, the first question that came up was, well, where are you going? And I told them nowhere. And so that kind of led to the, uh, the awkward, like, well, what are you going to do conversation? Yeah. I'm sure you got uh, some strange looks with that. Yeah. It took everybody a second, like nowhere. What do you mean? Nowhere. And so then I was like, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to travel. I'm going to spend some time with my daughter. Um, I have a bunch of reading uh, that I want to do. And I kind of just want to figure out, you know, how do I want to spend my time for the next few years? And then I, you know, and I threw in there and I'm, I have a blog, so I'm going to work on that. And, uh, but nobody really knew about the blog, uh, and I wasn't throwing it out there at, at that time. And then I got this email from, you know, the reporter at CNN money who wanted to write about me because she was interested in fire bloggers with kids and, you know, me leaving the workforce and, you know, presumably delaying my retirement date that just caught her interest. So the, the catch of course, with that was I would have to use my real name. And so I'd been considering, you know, do I want to unmask because the reason that I chose to be anonymous was just so that word wouldn't get around at work that, you know, I was sort of considering this or talking about it on the blog. And, uh, but I just couldn't let an opportunity like CNN pass. So I agreed. Oh, you know, definitely not. They could use, yeah, they could use my real name and they asked for a picture. So I had to go and get a, you know, a picture taken that wasn't like the ones that I use for work with a, you know, shirt and tie and stuff like that. For sure. So, did any of your coworkers or friends all of a sudden be like, oh, wow, you're that person or not really? Um, there were a couple people who I've, you know, I had let know about it, uh, just people I trusted and, and who had an interest in, you know, personal finance stuff. Um, but as far as I know, it wasn't like I had any, you know, fans out there who just didn't realize uh, that I was that guy. So I'm, I'm still pretty small potatoes when it comes to that stuff. But, um, you know, it's funny. I told my boss, uh, we had a, like a going away gathering the day before just a small, you know, cookies and, uh, stuff like that around the break room. And, um, I told him, Hey, by the way, I'm going to be featured on CNN, you know, tomorrow. And he looked at me and he's like, CNN really like what for? I, I bet like, well, that was the best 
feeling ever looking at your boss and saying that <laughs> like did you mentally plan that out in your head um no it was so he's a busy guy uh and he was kind of in between meetings and he was going to be gone the next day on on the friday that was my last day he had meetings all day and so that was really like the only window of time that i had to see him and let him know because i thought you know i don't want him to like i don't want him to find out when somebody forwards you know a link to cnn and oh hey isn't this you know your guy who's leaving I wanted him to hear it from me. So that was really the only moment I had to say, Oh, Hey, by the way, um, you know, this, this is going to happen tomorrow. And so he, you know, he said some nice words about me leaving and then he turned it over to me to say my goodbyes. And he's, you know, it said, Hey, tell everybody about CNN. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to, you know, announce who, who I am and what I'm doing now. So I, you know, I told like, there were like 30 people from the office around, and, uh, so I think a lot of them went and read the story, you know, the next day and they were looking for it, but, you know, and then at that point I figured, well, if I had already told all these coworkers, I might as well share this on my personal, uh, Facebook as well, because yeah. I hadn't been doing that either. So the first time that most of my acquaintances and, and many friends found out about this was when I posted the link to the CNN story and said, uh, Hey, by the way, uh, I've quit my job. Thanks for the birthday wishes and uh, CNN wrote about me. <laughs> and I'll be doing this blogging thing on the side. <laughs> yeah. How, was it really hard keeping anonymous? Because thinking of how we are with, with our blog and our podcast and everything, I feel like it would almost be like impossible to be anonymous. Was that really challenging for you? Yes and no. I mean, I, I kind of went with a semi-anonymous. Like I gave enough personal details that, you know, if somebody knew me, they could probably figure it out, but my picture wasn't out there. I wasn't sharing my name or the names of my, you know, my kids or my wife. Um, I was a little vague on some of the details. So, you know, it, it was kind of more like, I just don't want this to pop up if you go and Google me more than I absolutely don't want people to know who I am or where I live, you know? So I wasn't too militant about keeping the anonymity part. Definitely makes sense. So let's chat a little bit about the big move. So quitting your job is quite a terrifying thing, I think, for many people. How did you sort of figure that last Friday was the day that you were going to be quitting your job? Had you kind of like had a massive spreadsheet together for several years and you were planning that it was going to end on that day? Or why, why now? Why not a year from now? Why not a year ago? Like, <laughs> how did you sort yeah. of decide that now is the right time? Um. So what happened was I, you know, I was starting to feel stagnant, um, complacent, I guess, just, you know, I was getting up and going and, and going to work, but I wasn't really feeling engaged with it. And I talked to my wife about this and, you know, said, I'm not sure what, you know, what to do about it. Um, at the time my son was, uh, going, I have a, a stepson who's 21 and, um, I worked at the university and so I got half price tuition for him to be going to the university. So there was sort of this, you know, well, I, I want to wait until at least that is done. Um, because, you know, financially, that's, that's a good deal. That makes sense. Um, and it wasn't like I was so unhappy or anything. I just felt like I was ready for some change and, and new challenges. And so my wife and I talked about it for, you know, many, many months. And of course, yeah, I ran through the numbers countless times on my spreadsheet just to say, you know, what does this mean? 
from a financial perspective over the time, at least, you know, time I plan to take off. Um, so it wasn't a snap decision and I sort of had to grow comfortable with it over time. But six months ago, um, when I was still really torn about, you know, do I want to, what do I want to do? You know, do I just want to find a new job or how do I want to do this? My wife said, just pick a date, pick a date by which you have to make a decision. And so it was either I find a new job, I talk to my boss and say, you know, what can I do in my current job that would be more exciting or do I just, you know, or just quit. And so we settled on my birthday. It was like, you know, six months away. And it seemed like just far enough away to be the future, but close enough that I, you know, I actually had to prepare for it. So that's how that date came about. Definitely makes sense. So a mini retirement, what exactly does that mean? Does that mean you're going to go back to work at some points? Does it mean you're taking a couple of years off? What does that mean for most people? I think that means different things for, for everybody. Um, you know, coming from a, an, an academic background, uh, they would say sabbatical in, in higher ed, but in higher ed, that sort of entails that you're coming back to the same job, you know, a year later or whatever. And that's not really my intent. Um, I like mini retirement and I, and I borrowed that from Chris Durheim at Keep Thrifty. Um, because, you know, to me, it signals that I'm going to spend my time, you know, doing what I want to do, what, you know, the things that excite me. Um, and I just feel like, you know, sabbatical has this, this connotation that I would be going back to what I was doing before. And I don't, that's not likely, you know, I don't think that that's going to be the case. I'm looking for something different. Um, but it's definitely. I mean, I definitely still have to go back to work. I'm not financially independent at this point, um, but I did give myself enough, you know, runway to to take a year off comfortably um, and kind of figure out, yeah, what do I want to do with my time going forward? Yeah. So on this mini retirement, how do you see your days like, like planned out? Are, is it more of like a lounging and relaxing watching TV kind of thing or like a traveling or are you planning on working a lot on your blog? Like what are your plans for right now? So right now I'm easing into it. Um, one of the amazing things that this has done is put me in touch with so many people who've taken off uh, time for themselves. And I've asked everybody for their advice, things they wish they had known or done from the outset. And several people said it's important to create, you know, some kind of structure in your day so that you don't get, you know, to the evening and realize you piddled your day away. Um, the blogger behind Retire Before Dad gave me some great food for thought on that front. And then I also got some good advice from Amy Blacklock at Life Simplified, who recently left her employer to, to help care for her grandbaby and work on her own personal projects. And she said, don't dive in right away. Allow yourself time to decompress and to transition. And so I've got sort of a dream schedule that I created months ago. And I think that's what I'm going to eventually adopt, sort of a block schedule of how do I want to spend that time. But right now I'm taking Amy's advice and just trying not to cram everything in. We're leaving for a cruise actually at the end of this week. So I expect when I'll get back from that, then I'll start to have more structure with my days. Oh, so right now you're packing. <laughs> <laughs> It's not that long a cruise. <laughs> <laughs> so you also, on your blog, you talked about how you were saving money in your 
401k, but then you checked the balance and it was not nearly what you thought it was going to be. Um, how did you turn that situation around? Can you tell us a little bit about what you did and kind of maybe like a lesson that you learned there? Yeah. So I wouldn't say that I thought I had a ton of money in there. What, what happened was I switched careers in 2013. I was working in newspapers for more than a decade. And in that time, I had seen more than 150 people laid off or leave for you know other careers. And in all that time, I saw exactly two people retire on their own terms. And so I was in my early 30s and saw the struggles that newspapers were going through adapting to this you know century-old business model to the current day. And I just figured one day I wanted to retire. And based on what I was seeing in journalism, that wasn't going to be the way I was going to get there. So I shifted over to higher education and that has really amazing retirement benefits. And I started to try to think, you know, what do I want to do with my 401k for my newspaper job? And that actually got me thinking about my Roth IRA that I'd opened when I was 20. And I had just been putting a hundred bucks a month into this IRA for, you know, at least the past five years that there was sort of time early on where I didn't pay attention to it. And I came back to it. But of course, in 2013, the market had more than recovered. And so I was excited to see, you know, how much money did I have in the IRA? Because I really had no clue. So I logged in and I was pretty disappointed at the total value. I noticed there was, you know, $2,400 in a money market fund. And every month I had been putting $100 automatically, you know, in for my checking account, thinking that that money was going into the market. Yeah, I didn't invest. (laughs) Yeah. And then, you know, to find out it's sitting in the money market, I was like, wow, okay, for two years during like this huge, you know, market run up, all the money that I was putting in was just sitting there doing nothing. And my my financial advisor had no idea. I had no idea. And so my initial reaction was to be angry with the advisor. You know, supposedly I'm paying this money for this guy to watch over my funds and make sure that they're doing what they need to be doing. And obviously he hadn't looked at them for two years. And then I started to think about it and I got angry with myself because I didn't know either. And so I, you know, I kept putting in money. I had no idea what it was doing. And I just decided that I would never allow myself to be in that position again. I I needed to know where my money was, what it was doing, why it was there. And if something needed to change, I wanted to know, you know, something about why we were doing it. And so I realized that nobody was looking out for my money, but me. And that's when I started looking at the personal finance websites and eventually found Mr. Money Mustache and the, the Financial Independence Retire Early Movement. So what advice do you have to tell to others to avoid being in that kind of same, like, shocked situation? Well, I tell as many people as I can about that story. Um, I think it's probably more common than people know or like to admit. But I, you know, I tell them it took me three months of reading blogs and articles to be familiar with the terms and the ideas. But once I did, I realized this is really pretty simple. You don't need to have a high-priced advisor telling you every move you should make. You don't need a finance degree. You don't need to be a day trader. You just need to spend time getting familiar with the basics. And suddenly, you can really make a huge difference in your spending, your investment, and quite honestly, your earnings too. really opens up this whole world. Yeah. And I also have learned a lot by reading a lot of personal finance blogs before we started our own personal finance blog and I had absolutely no idea of anything financial. And at first, like I wouldn't 100% 
believe what people were saying until I would see it over and over again in different blogs. And then I was like, okay, well, if lots of people are saying this, then there must be some kind of a truth behind it. Yeah. And that's kind of how I was too. It was, you know, the first time you see some of these things are like, Ooh, yeah, I don't know about that. That sounds like that sounds too easy. And then you start reading more and more and you're like, Oh, well this, they have data here and this person has done this. And you know, here's like, they're very transparent. Yeah, And I think that's amazing, right? Everything, everybody is so open to sharing and sharing specifics in this community. Uh, I think, yeah, I don't think that thing as well is why did no one tell me? Yeah. (laughs) And then I would see people like they are transparent and they would share how much money they have. And I would look at it and quite frankly, I'd be like, well, they have more money than I do. So they obviously have something right going for them. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, for sure. It, and it's, I think that's really one of the cool things is whether, whether you're, you know, $600,000 in debt, like some of these people who, you know, like a couple who comes out of law school and, and medical school, and then they show you how they pay it off with, you know, their lifestyle and things, or you're somebody who just has more money than you know what to do with. And so you are buying stuff that you don't need everybody there's like a spectrum of people who share what they do, what they spend on and how they invest. And you can really find the people that speak to you in your, you know, particular situation and get some, I know some guidance and just some real world, you know, examples of of people doing it. Definitely. I think a lot of people, when they first dive into the realm of personal finance, they actually get a little bit almost like um, disheartened, you know, they, they have a look and see what other people are doing and they think to themselves, you know, they've accumulated so much money, you know, I'm never going to get there. But I think one of the best things you can do is look back and say, okay, great. They're making that much in April of 2018, but how much were they making five years ago? Where did this all start? And I think it's, it's very easy, especially with like blog income reports to see how much money people are making on their blogs. And you're like, oh, so-and-so is making $50,000 a month on their blog. That's insane, you know? But realizing that it takes you two minutes to look at that and they've been sitting there working for years. I think a lot of people don't really take that into account. Yeah, and I was actually talking to a girl on my part-time job about the FIRE community and how people are being so young and retiring and everything. And she looked at me like I was completely out of my mind. And she was like, what are you talking about? People are retiring in their thirties. Nobody does that. And I was like, I was like, actually they do. And you know, it's, it's a big thing in the personal finance world. Like if you just go online and Google it, people are retiring early in their thirties, forties, fifties, even if you want to consider that early retirement all the time. And she was like, how? And I was like, well, frankly, like not wasting your money on like frivolous junk. They're not getting, you know, $300 haircuts and buying brand new BMWs. They're living more of like a modest lifestyle. And she kind of just looked at me and went real quiet and just walked away. <laughs> like She didn't believe me. She was like, but why wouldn't you go out to dinner all the time? And And I was just kind of like, well, you can either go out to dinner all the time and work your whole life or you can, you know, cook at home and be a little bit more relaxed. Yeah. And I think, 
one of those things that, you know, we get so wrapped up as personal finance bloggers and just kind of being in the space for us in terms of assuming that everybody knows about this. And it's one of those, I actually wrote a post about this. Um, and, you know, you have to remember when people are first starting out, this is all totally foreign. And it's like any other, you know, skill set or thing that you learn. Um, when you first start out, you haven't heard this stuff. And so it takes a while to process. But I think just planting the seeds for people is can be really helpful because once they hear that, maybe later they go, well, okay, wait, now let me look into that and let me see what she's talking about because she obviously knew something, right? And so then they go and they find people like, you know, Steve at Think, Save, Retire, or they find, you know, Root of Good or somebody who's who's done this and lays it all out there and they can see that, oh, you know, there is something to this if I want to pursue that. Right. And I think being in the personal finance blogging area and talking with a bunch of other people who are also like-minded, you forget that other people that are at your job or that you see in the grocery store or anything, they're not clued into the same kind of ideas. Right. It's almost like if I walk into a conversation with a bunch of people talking about basketball stats, you know, like I, I just, I know the basics. I have no idea what you're talking about. If you, you know, if you're really going deep into this stuff. And I think that's really what, people feel like when some of us get going, you know, we get on this terror and it's like, Oh, backdoor Roth. And, you know, like mega back. It's like, <laughs> wait a minute, what are you talking about? Like I've, <laughs> I've heard of an IRA, but that's all I know. It's like, Oh, okay. Hmm. Well, let me step back and like give you some space and try to walk you through some of this. But yeah, you get, you get a couple of us together and it gets, uh, it can get technical in a hurry. So are you going to FinCon? Yes, I am. I went, <laughs> I went last year for the first time. It was unbelievably cool. It was, uh, you know, one of those sort of life changing experiences, right? Because I showed up like, I mean, I was really nobody. Um, and I just decided, Hey, I'm interested in seeing what this go, you know, what this is like. And I walk in and all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, I know that person. Oh, I know that person. And it was, they were just so cool. Everybody was exactly how they are in their blog and online. They were totally welcoming, totally open, had a great time. And it was just like hanging out with my Twitter feed, <laughs> you know, for, for yeah, like four days. And I, it was funny because at some point there's about 50 fire bloggers around these two huge tables. And it was like the first night of FinCon and I'm looking around and I turned to, uh, I think it was Bob from talking and I was like, you know, what's funny. I actually know more about these people's lives than I do when I walk into work and I go with those people every day, but I've been following all of these people on their blog for you know years. I actually know these people more than I know my coworkers. That's kind of a, you know, maybe that's more on me than anybody else, but I just thought that was kind of a cool scenario just to walk into a room of strangers that you already know. We've actually talked about that, too, because this will be our first year going to FinCon. So we're super excited about it. But at the same time, a lot of the people that we're looking forward to, like face to face meeting, 
I feel like I already know them. Like I follow them on Twitter and we're Facebook friends and I read their blogs and they've been on our podcast. And it's just like at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. Like, I guess you were kind of just like my Internet friend. Like, I don't actually know you. And snip pin, Phil. <laughs> yeah. And no, and I can tell you, I was wondering how that would pan out. It, it was instantaneous friendships. I mean, that was, it was just unbelievable. At FinCon, it was just amazing that yeah, everybody is so open and friendly and they're just exactly like you, you would hope they would be after reading their blog and stuff. You can, you have an instantaneous connection with people. You don't need to explain yourself in this whole personal finance thing. You just, you're sitting with people who get it and who are excited about it too. So. That's really exciting. So let's talk a little about you, about your blog now. So what inspired you to create your own blog and do you have any favorite posts? Well, after going through this money transition, um, you know, transformation, I guess, where I started talking about my friends about this stuff. Because, you know, you, you learn something new, you get excited, and you want to talk with people about it. So I would be talking with friends or, you know, sometimes we'd, we'd just have like a small party or whatever and the subject in the market or 401ks or something like that would come up. And we'd get into these just amazing conversations. And in many cases, I was just sharing the stuff that I had already read, you know, on these various blogs. And it seemed like the more I talked to these people, the more I felt like I had something to offer people who were like me, who just didn't really, they didn't even really know where to start. And I'm a decent writer. I, you know, I was a journalist for a dozen years or so. Um, but I hadn't really used that skill set when I shifted over to higher education. I was in sort of an IT administration job, writing some, but nothing like, you know, story-based or, opinion-based stuff. And so it also kind of scratched that itch. And in terms of favorite posts, I guess I have three that I'm really proud of for different reasons. The first one is uh, the highly effective money matrix, uh, highly effective money management matrix. One thing that excites me is drawing connections between two ideas that seem unrelated. So many people are familiar with Stephen Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Mm -hmm. And in that book, he, he introduces this time management matrix that has four quadrants. And so they're based on like importance and urgency. So you have a quadrant of urgent and important, not urgent, but important, urgent and not important, and not urgent and not important. So then he says, you know, effective people really try to spend most of their time in what he calls quadrant two, which is where it's not urgent, but important. And it's because you don't really want to be doing things that are important under pressure. You know, you want to be doing those things with time and thought. And then you don't want to be doing unimportant things just in general. So I kind of thought, you know, the saying time is money. Well, it occurred to me that Covey's time management matrix could be adapted to money management as well. So I mashed up those concepts into the highly effective money management matrix. And that ended up being my first Rockstar Finance featured post. And it was actually on Rockstar right before I went to FinCon. And so that gave me a lot of confidence that maybe I wasn't a, a total imposter showing up at this financial bloggers conference. <laughs> yeah, you belonged there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and my next, my next favorite post is actually a video collaboration that I did with my son's father and Budget Epicurean. We remade the song The 12 Days of Christmas, but with a financial independence theme. 
And so I rewrote the lyrics, which Budget Epicurean sang, and my son's father and I kind of tag teamed the visuals to make this music video. We assigned well-known personal finance bloggers to each of the days of Christmas. And then my son's father took pictures of Lego characters that looked like each of those bloggers. And I created this whole storyline and put it together in Final Cut Pro and made this sort of stop motion uh, music video with Lego versions of Physician on Fire and Gwen from uh, Gwen from Fiery Millennials, Paula Pant, Root of Good, some of these really you know well known people in the space. So that was a lot of fun. So real quick, I'm going to go find that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm actually I'm having a hard time visualizing what this video could have sounded like. Can you give like a little example? Not a chance. I, there's a reason that I didn't sing it. <laughs> I thought I thought for sure if I would have asked, I was definitely going for it. All right. And so then can you tell us about your third one? Yeah. And the last one, it's actually a guest post that I did for J Money's Budgets Are Sexy blog. And again, I, I really like to marry these two concepts that seem unrelated. And I was listening to a podcast called 99% Invisible, and they were talking about desire paths which it's in like urban planning, it's where you're, you know, if you're walking along a sidewalk and you see a dirt path that sort of veers away from the pavement and goes somewhere else, that indicates that there's a bunch of people who have used that same path in the past. And they've worn it down so that you can see that it's sort of this unofficial route. And they call it a desire path. And immediately, I I saw how that was related to the fire movement and how all of these authors and bloggers had basically done the same thing by showing us all the shortcut to financial independence. And so I wrote this piece that tied the fire movement to the the pioneers who created the wagon trails that led west in the 1800s. And I held on to it for like six months because when I created it, you know, I don't even know if I had 10 posts on my blog. And I just felt like it was a better post than... I could give it, you know, an audience for. And so I held on to it and I I eventually I pitched it to Jay Money and he loved it and was gracious enough to share it with his readers. And so that's still one of my one of my favorites. I would be really proud of that one too. Definitely. So what are some of the goals uh, that you have for your retirement or your blog? Well, I've got a whole bunch of personal development books I want to read. I've collected those from the various podcasts podcast guests that I've really uh, listened to and they've resonated with me and they talked about these books. So I would just put them in a list and I'm just going to go and check them all out from the library over the next few months and and get to reading. And, uh, you know, other than that, I want to put myself in some new environments. I want to stretch myself, see where that leads me. I want, you know, I want to try some things like is working from home as cool as I thought it would be when I was commuting to an office every day. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But I think that will, you know, I'll I'll find out. And that might give me a clue as to what I want to do next. You don't know if you don't try. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Um, I want to do some volunteering, you know, stuff like that. And uh, my daughter will be finishing up kindergarten and and then I'll do some dad stuff over the summer as well. So I want to make that a memorable time for her. And then as far as the blog, I, I want to redesign it. When I first made it, I just tried to find something that was good enough that I could get started and figured, you know, I would fix it later if I wasn't totally happy. So now I want to kind of revisit that. And, um, I want to go through the, the post ideas that I've had sitting in a file, but I just haven't had the time or the, the mental bandwidth to really, you know, put some focus into those. So I want to, want to work on that stuff. 
Sounds like you have a very busy mini retirement planned. Hopefully just busy enough. I don't (laughs) want to get too overwhelmed, but I don't want to get too bored either, you know, find that sweet spot. Yeah. So if you could go back and give like your younger self some advice, what would it be? Oh man, travel hacking is for real. (laughs) Get on that right away. Um, I just found travel hacking like probably eight months ago, six, eight months ago. Um, I've always paid my credit cards off in full every month. And for the longest time, I just figured like 1.5% cash back was good enough. And I knew travel hacking was a thing that you could sign up for certain credit cards to get travel points, but it always just sounded complicated in my mind. And then I heard the choose FI podcast on the chase gauntlet and they laid it out so simply and made it, you know, so easy to understand that it just finally clicked. And so my wife and I have signed up for four cards so far, and I've now booked 13 flights that cost me $450 in cash, a little more than half the points that we've earned, but I saved $4,600 versus buying all that stuff with cash. So I will never go back to not travel hacking. That's huge. Good for you. (laughs) Chainers, we're just going to take a quick break and then we'll dive right back into the value link round. Chainers. If you're looking for ways to earn an extra income each and every month, head over to chainofwealth.com slash Airbnb. Katie's written a fantastic guide that'll teach you all about Airbnb hosting, and you can turn your biggest expense into your greatest assets. That's chainofwealth.com slash Airbnb. All right. So why do you think that people struggle to achieve their dreams? Well, assuming somebody knows what their dreams are, uh, which, you know, as a guy who's taking a mini retirement to sort of sort that out, um, maybe I'm not the best person to answer that question. But, you know, I think it's easy for people to try to have too many, quote unquote, priorities. If you really, truly have a dream, a life you want to lead, the most important thing you can do is just align the way that you spend your time and money toward that dream. And it's easy to try to do too much or buy too many things that aren't really moving you closer to that dream. And thinking you've got to do it because other people are doing that. But, you know, no one lives your life but you. So live the life the way that makes you happy and not the way you think other people would live to to make them happy. So true. So do you have any other books or podcasts you could recommend for our listeners? Well, I'm going to read a whole bunch of books. Uh, so if you ask me this in, you know, three or four months, I would have, probably have more books. But uh, podcasts, definitely. Um, you know, Choose FI's podcast with Dominic Cortuccio, episode 33, is great for anybody who thinks they're just drifting through life and that there may be a better way. I've listened to that one three or four times. It was really um, helpful for me to get some perspective. Um, lesser known personal finance podcasts that I would recommend, Countdown to Fi, Retire Hoppy, and Fire Drill are, are doing great work. And then I actually like to listen to a lot of also non-personal finance related ones that are interesting. So like 99% Invisible, 20,000 Hertz, Freakonomics, Ear Hustle, The Dad Edge, Work Life with Adam Grant, and Science Versus are all really well done. Awesome. Uh, do you have a favorite quote for us? Um, a quote I often try to remember, especially when things get ridiculous online is from an English historian, Edward Gibbon. He said, I never make the mistake of arguing with people for whose opinions I have no respect. 
And it just reminds me that there's a difference between an intellectual exchange of ideas with thoughtful and passionate people and then shouting at internet trolls. And, you know, there's only one that I really want to be doing. (laughs) (laughs) Too true. Scott, we've absolutely loved hanging out with you today. Do you have any other last parting piece of advice for our listeners? And then we'll say goodbye. I guess I would say wherever you are, start there. Just take things one step at a time. And when you stop and look around and you realize you're in a different place, then start there. And I think sometimes we set ourselves in a direction and forget that we're free to go in a a different direction at any time. And that could be financial, emotional, personal, professional. You can start living the life that you want the moment you decide that that's the life you want to live. Shane, as we've been hanging out out with Scott, you can check out his blog at idreamoffire.com and decide what direction you want to go in. Remember, it's not set in stone. You can change your future. Chainers, we've absolutely loved hanging out today. If you'd like to continue the conversation, hit up Chainer Wealth on Twitter. We love all comments. Let us know what you thought of the show today, and we'll catch you next time. Catch you on the flip side. <laughs>